Hey everyone, welcome to the Crypto Unstacked podcast, where we cover everything from crypto trading and investing to NFTs, decentralized finance, and so much more. The Crypto Unstacked podcast is meant for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial or investment advice. Nothing expressed in this podcast should be construed as a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer to buy or sell financial products. This podcast is sponsored by CoinFlex, the home of crypto yield. Whether you're passively managing money or taking an actively managed approach, you can earn and trade crypto easily on CoinFlex, which sees over $2 billion in daily trading volume. CoinFlex is committed to making crypto derivatives yield accessible to everyone, whether you are investing hundreds or thousands of dollars and more. With a newly launched automated market-making product called AMM+, you can earn yield on crypto by providing liquidity into the futures markets. The AMM Plus is 10 times more capital efficient than other automated market makers and offers multiple collateral types so that you can earn more with less. Interested in learning more about CoinFlex and trying out the AMM Plus? Head over to coinflex.com AMM to get started and let the market work for you. Hey, Stephen, welcome to Crypto Unstacked. It's so great to have you on the pod with me. It's good to be here, Lars. Finally. Finally. I feel like we've known <laughs> each other for quite a long time now. I have to say it's about two years, but we've never met in person before. So we are, for all intents and purposes, LinkedIn friends. That's right. Yeah. Hopefully we can meet in person in the near future. For sure. Well, super excited to have you on the pod today. Um, I'm going to give a brief introduction for those who are not familiar with yourself and the company you're with. So Stephen is currently a non-executive partner at Clarendon Arbitrage Fund, which is an absolute return focused hedge fund. Stephen, you have two decades of experience across you know, institutional grade trading, and you've specialized in trading index futures as well as commodity and currency options. And Clarendon recently launched CAF Digital, which is the fund's crypto investment arm to focus on trading crypto derivatives to generate yield for passive capital investors. I love that focus. Can you talk a bit about your path to becoming a fund manager and getting into the digital asset space. And then we can you know, focus more on this very interesting you know, group of investors that you work with to generate crypto yield. The story of me becoming a fund manager is really bizarre. Very bizarre. Probably the worst bizarre story you ever hear. It's got to do with everything about my father. Well, he was in the secret services of Taiwanese army. So back in the late 60s and early 70s, he was the protection officer for Madame Chiang Kai-shek. So for, for those who don't know who Madame Chiang Kai-shek was, she was the first lady of the first president of the country. So back at the time, it was being intense with China. So it's very crucial that we have to make sure she's safe. So my father is very disciplined. So when I was four, you can imagine your neighbors were taught of how to ride a bicycle. My father was teaching me how to assess an environment and evaluate what kind of tools within that environment can be used as weapons and how to protect yourself. Identify your entry, identify your exit, and be very disciplined at what you do. So 
in the age of four, I was training Taekwondo. I was training Judo. So I'm Taekwondo black belt, Judo black belt. So naturally, I was raised to be very, very disciplined and very risk sensitive. So when I graduated college, I started to think, well, I have this personality within me. What can I do? I should get into finance. So fast forward to when I was about 20, I first graduated college. And back at the time, my father was doing business for uh, two decades already. So we have private banks managing our money. Those fund managers lose money all the time. We're talking about the biggest bank from US, biggest bank from Switzerland. And I was thinking, wait a minute, if you're managing our money, why could you possibly lose money? So when I came into finance, I was on the sell side first for 10 years. I was analyst. I was a sell side trader. I was trading equities, futures, index, options, everything. And then when I really get into the buy side, I started to realize, well, hey, hang on a minute. There's something you can actually deliver absolute return. So that's when I have this click. Well, I found it 30 years later. I know what I can do for, for my dad. And then that's how I really get into the asset management business, to be honest. I have this really weird childhood that lead me to become an asset manager. So that was that discipline and risk management. I love that story. I've never heard anything that's come close to that merging <laughs> of personal experience, upbringing, and, you know, fund management skill set before. So that's really fascinating. Now you've, you've mentioned absolute return uh, strategy, right? Yeah. So from a high level, can you dig deeper into this concept for our audience who probably hasn't been on the other side as a client? Give us a sense of what that's like. Absolute return means that we really have to deliver positive performance to our clients. And then you can never expose their capital to risk. So Naturally, you can do two things. You can do basis trading, which means everybody can do it. So when you have pretty much the whole planet doing the same thing as you, the spread will never be there. They will disappear. So that's not sustainable, right? Or you can do ripple, which is borrow and lending. By doing that, you have to be regulated. You have, you have to be the bank. So if you can't do basis trading, and you can't do ripple, what else can you do? You have to really dig into something different. So derivatives comes very handy and helpful because you can structure what you want and make it a synthetic basket to deliver, deliver performance that you're after. So that's where we come in. We trade derivatives in commodities, futures, index options, and then single equities. And then when Bitcoin started to have options, we started looking. And as a class, we can trade in the future as well. That's, that's when I first met you in 2019, I think. So as a farm manager, before we decide to do anything, we're going to spend years monitoring the market and, and assess and evaluate whether we can really do it with a big size because you can't, you see uh, traders in crypto market, they can trade from a billion to uh, maybe hundreds of billions, but that is really the case in crypto. Because if you want to move the traditional asset capital to crypto, you have to make sure the liquidity is big enough 
if we can trade a hundred billions a month, that's when we say we do this. So I would say after two and a half years of observing the market and the infrastructure development has been mature and the volume has picked up. And that's why we decided that we're going to engage in this market and be the maker producing liquidity and make sure that our trade has winning rates of above perhaps 93%. So that would be the reason why we are actually engaging in the crypto market at this moment. How developed would you say the crypto options market is at this point across OTC providers and also exchanges as well, like Deribit? I would say the infrastructure maturity, the setup today will be equivalent to perhaps early 2005. So when you look at 2004, the early 2000s, when commodity was first introduced to the market, it's hard to get OTC tickets filled because it's not as developed yet. So back at the time, you don't have RFQ. And over the years, RFQ has been more popular and commonly adopted by all the banks. So you, you can fill your ticket, you can fill 600 million worth of tickets just by sending the RFQ out and it's, it's naturally filled. But if you want to fill uh, 600 million tickets on Deribit, it's quite difficult now. So I would say that the setup and the infrastructure was equivalent to perhaps late 1998. It's very ghetto. Very ghetto. But then when you predict the future of how the institutional participants is going to enter the market, we are seeing perhaps another 200 trillions of dollars coming from the traditional finance to this market, which we are very excited about. Because back in 2004 until 2010, within that seven year time, we witnessed and we traded hundreds of billions of dollars in commodities market. And that's huge. And 100% of those money are passive capital. Now, when I, when I refer to passive capital, I'm talking about you don't trade every day. So those amount of money are here to stay. And then when we see Bitcoin and Ethereum are having options as well, we think, hey, this is happening again. 20 years ago, we traded this, right? And 20 years later, the kids invented something new. Well, it is new. But the methodology and the mindset is all the same. So we're predicting another 200 trillion market into the crypto. So it's very exciting. You really have to be the first or be the smartest. Of course, we're not the smartest, but naturally we want to be the first to be part of the market. Yeah, it's just trading a new asset class, right? And figuring out the nuances of market uh, sort of microstructures to best figure out how you can generate, you know, those similar returns, if not much higher returns, right? In digital assets versus back in the commodities days. That's right. So it's a new asset class to be part of. Yep, exactly. So how would you say your LP base, you know, looks like right now? That composition of investors is it very similar to those who were already, you know, invested in the primary Clarendon fund, or is it kind of a, a different set of investors who are perhaps a little bit more risk-taking, right? Who are interested in the digital asset side of the fund. This is a very interesting topic, to be honest, Leslie. Out of 100 people I talked to, 110 people would tell me, well, if you want to be part of crypto, you got to deliver three-digit return per annum. And I was like, why? 
we trade commodities, right? The leverage can be 20 to 500x leverage. That's way higher than Bitcoin. But we never go out there and tell people you can make so much money overnight. So I would say our LP base is still as the same as our traditional fund, Clarion Arbitrage Fund. They are very conservative. The only reason why they want to be part of crypto is they want to diversify their risk. So the LP we have is own money. That means they work hard for their SMEs entire life. They know money is very hard to earn. They don't become a billionaire overnight. So the elements they look at is always very uh, risk aware. They have to make sure they are not exposed to risk. They have to make sure their wealth is preserved so they can pass to the next generation. So our focus of LP base are 100% conservative investors. And the reason to be engaged in the crypto was purely we will treat it as a class to balance the portfolio. That's it. So it's also sad to see the majority of the public being misled by the first comers who was lucky and successfully made their first billion dollars. And then the followers will say, hey, the owner of the X exchange makes so much money, so we want to be like him. But you have to realize he's one out of a million that did that at the early stages and the spread, the opportunities were gone. You can't do that again. So interesting enough, before we officially engage crypto, we do send the analysts as undercover to be part of the Telegram channels, the chats, discords and everything to find out why people really engage in crypto. And sadly enough, we found because the COVID situation was so bad, a lot of business was closed down, a lot of employees were laid off. It's a desperate for help, it's a desperate for hope. People are literally dishing out their entire savings to gamble to see if they can get rich like Sam, right? So this is what we found on the street and see people are actually engaging the market with desperation. And then through this influence, everybody has this misconcept. You can get rich quick. It's very sad. So we are really in the market to share our humble thoughts that of course, you can engage in crypto, but you have to know how to manage your risk because at the end of the day, we are talking about money. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about a tool to get you wealthy within 24 hours. Right. So that that's my two cents, really, about this market. I really wish people can look at this market differently, as conservative as you can, so you can live longer with your balance sheet. So when you say you know, you've deployed your people, right, to actively participate in the market, maybe from a observational point of view in different communities and in group chats and whatnot. Is this by region? And you sort of aggregated this data to make this, you know, sort of blanket statement here that this is what you've observed, you know, having done this for the past couple of years. So when we send out the analysts to be the undercover, we have three continents. I mean, we have three teams the U.S., European, and Asian team. So we send the junior traders to be the undercover in U.S. soil, European continent, and Southeast Asia. The most we found 
in Southeast Asia are the people who struggle, who, who want to get rich quick. So you see a lot of true stories of how people really literally go broke because he was perhaps an engineer within some tech company. And then he overhears some news from television and say, you can get rich by crypto. He literally resigned his job, right? And then take out a loan with his house and then put it in one bet and he lost it. And this is by far the saddest news I heard from an analyst in, in Philippines that happens to this individual. I was like, no, you don't do this. This is sad. You don't, you don't just hear some successful stories and bad everything you have. So I trust that it happens everywhere. But the reason why I say Philippines was because the economy was, was really bad within the past 24 months. And people are trying to make a living. Doesn't matter whether they have a job or not. At the end of the day, they are taking uh, too much risk and then they end up in tears. And every time I see this, I always look at the, the reason why I, I participate in this asset management business. I mean, we are here to protect people's wealth, to protect their life, because every dollar is exchanged by their sweat and their life within the past. So we're literally protecting their life. So for asset managers like us to see people risking everything they have in one single trade, it breaks my heart, literally. Because you know the effects of this individual go broke, the wife will go nuts, the kids have mm -hmm. no school to go to, and they have no house to live. That is bad. So I could not emphasize enough for investors, amateur or professional, traditional finance or crypto to be really risk sensitive. I think this is the most important to, to survive in this world. Doesn't matter you are investing or not. I mean, the inflation today worldwide is 7% average. So if your asset is not delivering 7.1%, your asset becomes a liability. So that's where the business are struggling. The business owners has high, have higher costs of borrowing capital and the banks are struggling to deliver interest to the savers. And that's why a lot of people are having no hope for the traditional banks and they are migrating to crypto. And then when you migrate to crypto, the first choice, if I am an individual, I'll choose CoinFlex because you guys, what you guys provide is the best I see so far because it's conservative. It makes sense and it's sustainable. And then investors engage in this market. They are well taken care of by you professionals. That's why we are in with the same principle. We want to protect people, make sure their money is there for the next 20 years, not the next 20 hours. It's very different, right? Mm -hmm. As a person coming from traditional finance, you never hear people being so conservative because all the girls you talk to are crypto active traders and they they are brilliant they are very smart than us but we know over the long term if you want to run a business for 20 to 40 years you have to take care of your risk bottom line is risk right yeah and for this passive capital investor market that quite honestly both you and coinflex are both trying to look after you know, that's where the education I feel like is needed the most because the active traders, 
will inherently want to figure things out because they have to in order to generate the returns they're looking for. <clears throat> now, it's not to say that their risk management approach is always a good one, right? Sometimes they're more risk-taking than they probably should be because sometimes they're blinded by these sort of moonshot bets that you you know, mentioned earlier. But when you talk to the passive capital investor market, they're really not looking for that one trade. They're looking for a strategy that can allow them to do exactly what you're doing for your clients, which is diversifying a part of their wealth, right? A part of their personal balance sheet into something that they know they have to be in because the macro factors don't allow them you know, to continue doing what they're doing. The opportunity cost of having your cash at the bank, just sitting there earning close to 0%, especially in the US, right? You, you hear all these stories of, I'm getting hit by inflation, number one. I'm getting hit as well by low interest rates on my savings that's supposed to generate money for me, right? So being in that situation, your opportunity cost is now so high because there's a new asset class that allows you to effectively do the same thing Put your crypto as savings, right, in a product that generates yield for you consistently. And, you know, that's the whole stablecoin lending play right now that people are trying to take advantage of. This is a very interesting kind of environment that we're in. I imagine from a fund manager's point of view, where you're doing slightly more complex strategies across the board in spot and derivatives markets, but also for, you know, customers of CoinFlex who, you know, might not have the ability to hire a fund manager, let's say, and they're just looking for a product like FlexUSD, right, the stablecoin that you mentioned, to help them generate that type of yield that they're really searching for that they're not getting in the, in the traditional space. So anyways, that's just my little aside from what you've just said. The observation goes both ways. I'm seeing the same thing. Yeah. For the next 20 years, we don't know where the market's going, but we think it's wise to start trading crypto and build our client base from here because within perhaps the next 10 years, all the savers out there will probably don't need the banks because banks are useless, to be honest. They're always serving themselves first and then leave the crumbs to the savers, to the clients. And I think it's, it's wrong. It's wrong. That's why the blockchain and crypto world was created for people to do something right and get rid of the middleman, so to speak. So hopefully we can all do the good deeds and serve the general public in a better way and to make people's life a little bit better through the technology that the brilliant kids has been invented. That's what we hope for, to be honest. Well, let's talk about the, the observations that the CAF digital team have been seeing, right? Over the past few years that you've been in the market. You guys have a focus on generating yield for these passive capital investors. Talk about the opportunities and how they've evolved over the years since you've been in, in the space. When I first know you, I think it was 2019. That was a couple of years ago. When you look at the volume on Deribit, it was quite small. So when I talked to the old man in the fund, he was 72. He goes, what? You're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars of trade? That's too small. We can't engage that. So I waited, I kept looking, I waited, I kept looking. And then when the volume and derivative for Bitcoin hits 1 billion a day, I talked to Matt again, he's obviously the oldest partner. He says, what, a billion a day? Steve, go do it. 
And that's when I have the green light. Yes, we can trade crypto. That was really good because the volume was big enough that we can fill a billion dollar ticket without hesitation. Now, that's great. And that's when we set up the desk. We talk to custodians. We talk to the banks in Switzerland who are regulated to be our custodian partner. Make sure the counterparty was taken care of and blah, blah, blah. So that, that has been very exciting. And so when we talk to our LPs and say, hey, we're going to have allocation in crypto. So if you guys are happy with that, give us a green light. So we will allocate you a portion to the crypto team. So that's where we get started. It. So that's very exciting because uh, from the commodity experience, we know there were a lot of money to be made. So if we are trading the same volatility, same risky asset class with a different name called Bitcoin or Ethereum, we know is we, we're going to make a lot of money out of it. So we're not in this market for fun. But at the end of the day, we're in this market for money, all of us. We know when we make money, the LP is going to be happy. So we, we are going to be happy. That was great that we've been waiting for decades for this to come up because the volatility for commodity currency has died off for years. So it's harder and harder for us to generate premium out of it. Then when you look at crypto, you look at the premium. If you just focus on different time interval and exploration, 10 delta, for example, you can get one to 3% a year. That's a no brainer. Why would you want to do this instead of trading premium for currencies or commodity? It just makes perfect sense to put your money here rather than the traditional finance. So we think it's brilliant and it's an awesome opportunity. Well, I'd be curious to know what your take is on DeFi. From a risk management point of view, how are you supposed to figure out what yield farm to participate in that will get you the quadruple digit yields that people were expecting summer of 2020? Yet in the DeFi space, we know there is institutional participation, right? It is not just a retail play. It is largely driven by institutions that have large balance sheets that are trying to figure out what those opportunities are even to arbitrage between DeFi and CeFi yield opportunities. So would be curious to get your take on the DeFi space. We did propose DeFi projects to the board and we get rejected all the time because the investment company says no, because you cannot control the counterparty risk. And we go to them and say, well, this is the nature of DeFi. The counterparty risk is a potential. You have to be aware all our clients are family offices, so they have more than one IVC. So every time we propose something, they'll have a meeting, and two weeks later, they'll have a follow-up meeting. And all the investment committees, when they hear DeFi, and they all come back to us, how are you going to control the counterparty risk? This is where we have difficulty answering them because we cannot. So when you said, did we participate in the DeFi summer? We didn't because we are not allowed to. So we have to admit that we are very conservative. So if you think conservative and you drop it down by 10 degrees, that's how conservative we are. We have to make sure that our money is always there. So we want to engage because I am a bit younger than the old partners. They are 60s and 70s. I'm in my 40s. So I am still keen to try new things. But for them to adapt to the new trend, new culture, the way it's different from how they trade it, they are scared. 
They're very scared. So yes, we didn't participate in the DeFi summer. It was a great opportunity, but not for us in terms of counterparty risk. Something that I'm trying to wrangle in my head is if we're speaking to newcomers in the space, whether they be passive capital investors of the scale that you are dealing with, or they're just average crypto newbies trying to get into the space, what really draws these people in at the end of the day? Is it money or is it potentially something else, right? Maybe something on the ideological side, the philosophical side of wanting to explore a whole new financial monetary system. I don't know what the answer is at this point. My humble opinion, yeah. Through the undercovers, boys and girls we send out, we notice a lot of newcomers into the space was primarily because they are not successful in traditional finance or in business they do. So they were not getting the credibility or the assurance from what they do. So when they see people being so successful in crypto trading, crypto investment, they want to be part of it. They want to get this assurance. I am good enough. I am as brilliant as they are. So we see a lot of those individuals. I'm talking about non-sophisticated investors. They come in with this mentality because it was sad to see people have been fail whatever they do in their life. And they get this hope, hey, if I try this, if I make it, my parents will be proud, my wife will be proud, my husband will be, will be proud, my son and daughters will be proud of me. So you see a lot of those individuals coming into the market with this mentality, it just blows my mind. Why would people suffer so much and rely on crypto to give them this hope? This is something that we never realized until we sent out the, the, the junior traders to be the undercover in the market. And we get this message. This is really heartbreaking, to be honest. And then a lot of people come into the market because of the money. I think it was four weeks ago, we were approached by a peer, another crypto fund, and says, want us to help them because they raised, I wouldn't say who, they, they raised 455 millions of dollars claiming they can deliver 30%. 30% is nothing in crypto sense, right? Because a lot of people is de delivering more than 30%, but they are having difficulty to deploy the money. They are doing basis trading. They just can't squeeze the spread. They just can't do it. So they're looking for all the traders to help them. I was like, dude, you're screwed. <laughs> if you can't deliver, you can't deliver, right? And then they face the consequences of promise too high and never deliver. So as a manager, we always come into the market and promise low and try to deliver a little bit more. So I think that's a humble way to make sure your business model or your financial algorithm model is sustainable. Either it's on the trading side or management side, you have to make sure everything is going to be sustainable for the next 20, 30, 40 years. That's how we look at the business. That's how we look at crypto. doesn't matter if people is making perhaps 500% more than we do. We're happy with the pace we are. We're just going to work slowly, make sure all the clients are on our back and they're safe and we can deliver them to the destination without harms. So we are very old fashioned. We are very, very conservative. So when people says, Hey, Steve, you're in crypto and you're delivering 10%. What? The truth is we are really focused on the passive capital market, which is a 500 trillion market. So if we can focus on this 500 trillion market and deliver 10%, we 
Would you say it's too low or too high? I would say it's bloody marvelous. Yeah, no, I fully respect that approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that would be good enough. So that was that, yeah, our two cents. Isn't managing expectations such an art sometimes? It is, to be honest. We think it is so simple <laughs> that, of course, you're not going to always get those, as you say, triple digit, quadruple digit returns that you're seeing in the market. You know that's not going to be the case because it's not sustainable, right? There's always going to be ebbs and flows and opportunities in a market like crypto, because people are going to arbitrage away those opportunities over time. And those who happen to be part of that group of investors who, who do that, of course, they're going to reap those benefits, right? Because they are the first movers. But as they say in crypto, if you don't know where the yield comes from, you are the yield, right? You are that source of <laughs> yield. I love that. Yeah. So there's this gap that I think comes with education, when you're introducing someone, whether it be an institution or an individual into the market, and it's just such a hard job that you have. It's a very difficult job because I would say 99% of the participants in crypto trading has not experienced the 2000 bubble, tech bubble, 07, 2013 crash. They haven't been through that. Most of the kids were trading starting from 2015. So they have perhaps six to seven years of trading experiences. But when you look at the trading life cycle back in late 90s and early 2000s, you know how devastating it is if you don't pay your focus on risk. So if you get your ego built up, everything will go away in a split of a second. And that's what we experience. That's why we are so humble to the market. We are very scared. We are very, very, very conservative because we know how scary the market can be. And I think that will be the most valuable, humble opinion I can share to the public that be risk aware and take care of your risk before you do anything silly. Because we see a lot of city kids out there doing crazy stuff. That just wows us. That's every day in the crypto markets. Yeah, but that's part of the development. Eventually, when the institution boys get into the market, it will slow down a bit. I was a keynote speaker at FICC uh, two weeks ago. So I was in the table with 20 fund managers. Within us, we are worth perhaps $50 billion worth. And all of them, including myself, we are participating in the market. So I would say within the next couple of years' time, when all the big boys are in the house, the volatility is going to drop and then it's going to be in institutionalized trading pattern. Mm -hmm. Well, then what happens if crypto yield opportunities dry up? What then do people come to the space for, right? What does the macro environment look like? So many different factors that influence someone's willingness to participate in a space like crypto, in a new market like crypto. I totally agree with what you just said, that people are coming to the market for the return. And potentially, if the return dies off in the future, I do think people are still going to participate in crypto because it will be another asset class for you to diversify your risk. So we trade, we trade commodities, currencies, index options, single equities, and crypto doesn't because any of the specific asset class is better than the other, but it was purely based on 
the fact that we have to diversify the risk as a portfolio. At the end of the day, it's allocation and risk diversification. So when you look at it, look at it from a broader aspect, it will perhaps make a little bit more sense rather than for all the investors to focus on the return, rather on the risk diversification. So either way, with, I might be wrong, but I think crypto is here to stay. Yeah, I really like that framing. Of course, there's the return aspect, but there's also the risk diversification aspect as people reassess, constantly reassess, right? What their portfolio looks like, you know? It's a holistic thing that you have to uh, approach your portfolio with. So I really appreciate that framing there. As we wrap up our conversation here, I would love to understand just what you're excited about in crypto outside, of course, your day-to-day job of crypto trading right, and investing. What other verticals in this market excite you philosophically, ideologically, right? Because there's so much going on. Personally, I think the reason why me, Steve, to participate in crypto is because potentially I think I can do something right. Back in where we come from, traditional finance, if you want to issue a corporate bond or a note, you have to be regulated. If you want to issue a fixed income product, you have to be regulated. And that will involve banks. And before that happens, you always have to pay a lot of money for the regulator to say yes, and for the people involved to say yes, and let's be corrupted. But for blockchain and crypto, you can literally do what is right for the investor without the middleman. That's where we come in. We want to serve the public first instead of serving JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley or Deutsche first because they have all the money in the world, right? We want to serve the public because we have the skill set. And we know for sure those big banks will have to take three to five years before they get regulated to participate in the market. And what are you going to do before they can do that? That's why we have to enter the market and deliver what is best for investors to take care of the risk, deliver reasonable return to the investors, and make sure their money actually generates value and at the same time holds the value of a currency instead of being eaten up by inflation. That's really why we are here. We want to do something right. And because this is a self-governed world, you can do whatever you want. So you, you can do bad things, but of course, we're asset managers. We, we want to do something legit. And that is the reason why we're here. We hope what we do can bring the merit to people's life and make their life better without much more struggling. That's the reason why. That's well, a great purpose to have. And your LV base is very lucky to have uh, someone like you at the helm, Clarendon Fund, to you know help them guide right into the market or help guide them into the market in a methodical way, right? With managed expectations, with risk management at the forefront. You know, this is the type of framework that I think is required to get more institutional participation and adoption. And look, if it comes at the pace that it's coming at now, the next time we're doing a podcast like this, we're going to have so much more to say, right? In about a year's time, you know, that whole institutional base might look fairly different. Super appreciate all of your insights, Stephen, on the markets, on the way that you approach this space. And I know our audience is going to have a lot of takeaways. So thank you so much. 
Thank you for the opportunity today, Leslie. I really appreciate that.